The previous Mishnah listed three differences between an Oines and a Mafate. An Oines is somebody who forces a woman who he isn't married to to have relations, and a Mafate is somebody who seduces and convinces her to have relations with him. Now we're going to see in Mishnah Vov a fourth difference, at least according to some, but firstly the Mishnah elaborates on the third difference which was mentioned in the previous Mishnah. The Mishnah stated that the Oines must be Shaisa Ba'atzitsoi, which literally means that he must drink out of his plant pot, and that is meant as a comparison just like a plant pot can be dirty, so too an Oines is obligated to marry the woman who he forced to have relations, as long as she and her father agree, even if she is undesirable and ugly or has some sort of disease which would cause one not to want to marry her, since he so to speak chose this plant pot by forcing her to have relations, he would be obligated to marry her. On the other hand, I'm a fatah, since anyway he's not obligated to marry the woman, he may refuse to do so and instead pay the various payments which were mentioned in the previous Mishnah. So ask the Mishnah, Kate said chose about tzitzai. What does it mean that he has to drink from his plant pot? Even if she is lame, she can't walk. Even if she is blind, even if she has some sort of disease, which is either a type of boils, possibly we are, we are referring to tsara'as, in any of these cases, he is still obligated to marry her. However, if once he married her, she then goes and commits adultery with another man, do we still say that it's forbidden for him to divorce her? In general, if a woman commits adultery, she is forbidden to, to continue living with her husband. So the Mishnah says, If something immoral is found about her, meaning it is found out that she committed adultery with another man, or or if in the first place she is somebody who is forbidden to marry a regular Jew, for example, a mamzeres, who is a woman who was born from illegal relations. So in these cases, in he does not have permission to keep her or to even marry her in the first place in the case of Mamzeres and other women like her. Shinema, as the Apostlech says, and she will be as a wife for him. And the word for him implies and has to be a woman who is fitting for him and it was permitted for him to marry. It should be noted that if she had relations with another man before he managed to marry her, then that's not considered to be adultery, so he would still be obligated to marry her. Mishnah Vov, we learnt in Mishnah Gimel a machlekes between Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Yisak Galili regarding a woman who had previously been an Arusa, which means she had received Kedushin from another man, but before they completed the marriage with Nisuin, which is the last stage of marriage which then permits them to have relations together, she was divorced or widowed from the man who performed Kedushin on her. So she's still considered a Basula because she hadn't had relations yet. The question is, since she had received Kedushin from another man, does the man who forced or convinced her to have relations, does he still have to pay the kanas or not? The fine of 50 silver coins or not? So this Mishnah follows the opinion of Rabbi Akiva over there, that there still is an obligation of paying the kanas, and that he would pay it to the woman herself instead of her father. And we're going to see that in a case where the woman herself receives the kanas, and not her father, there is a difference between an oines and a mafate. So this would be the fourth difference between an oines and a mafate. Yesoyma, a girl who has been orphaned from her father. Her father has died, so this, according to everybody in this case, even according to Reza Galili in that mission over there, she herself would receive the knas, because she hasn't got a father to receive it. And as well as that, in a case where she she received Kedushan from somebody and was then divorced from him. So now we're going only according to Rabbi Akiva, who says that she would receive the knas. 
In a case where she receives the kanas, Rabbi Elazar, Rabbi Elazar says, I'm a fate potter. If the man was mefate her, he convinced and seduced her to have relations with him. In that case, he would be exempt, and only only if he forced her to have relations would he be liable. Reason being that since the payment would go to her, in a case where she was convinced to have relations with him, by agreeing to do so, she is essentially giving up on the knas. She's agreeing to do it. So we view that as if she is foregoing on the payment which she would need to give her, and therefore he would be exempt. On the other hand, in a general case, where the knas goes to her father, so she has no right to give up on that monetary right of her father. Only in this case, where the money would go to her, she has the right to forego on that money. And since she is agreeing to have relations, we view that as a foregoing of her right to that money. Mr. Zayn, a couple of Mishnahists ago, we mentioned that regarding both the Oynes and Mufateh, they are obligated to pay three payments. Firstly, Boishes, for the shame which he caused her. Secondly, Pagam, which is the amount that she went down in value. And thirdly, the fixed kanas of 50 silver shekel. So how exactly are all of these measured? Ezoi Boishes, what is considered to be the payment of the shame? Answers the Mishnah, it's calculated It all depends on the person who did the embarrassing, so who the man was, and the person who was embarrassed, the woman. So for example, the more lowly the man was, if he was from a lower class, then it's considered to be a greater level of shame. Whereas the more important and higher class the woman is considered, the greater the shame. That's at least according to many Rishonim. Others say that the shame done by a middle class person, he's not super important and he's not a peasant, somebody like that, they might be more shameful. But the point is it depends on both people. Next, Pagam. How do we calculate how much she went down in value? We view her as if she was being sold as a slave. How much she was worth before the event happened, before she had these relations. And how much she is worth now that she is no longer a basula. Now in general, in terms of how much work she can do, that doesn't make a difference whether she's had relations or not. However, it could be that somebody wants to buy her as a slave in order to marry her to his male slave. So if that's the case, then it would make a difference whether she is a basula or not. A basula is considered to be more desirable to marry. She hasn't had relations with any other man, and so for somebody who is buying her for that purpose, she would have gone down in value as a result of having relations. So that difference in value, he would have to pay. And thirdly, Kanas, the fine, Adam, it is the same amount for everybody. She could be the daughter of the Kohen Godol, the most important woman in the world. She could be a regular person. The fine is always going to be 50 silver coins. And indeed, notes the Mishnah, the Chol any payment which the Torah gives a fixed value for, Adam, that value is equal for everybody, and we don't start to differentiate between how important the people are. The Mishnah is going to compare what we have been talking about to another halacha which isn't really related. And that is the Torah holds that a father has the right to sell his daughter as a slave. As long as the daughter is fully in her father's domain. And that is as long as she is a katana before she reaches the age of bas mitzvah and becomes a na'ara. So as long as she is a katana and fully in her father's domain and under his power, he is able to sell her as a slave. However, once she becomes a na'ara, she reaches the age of bas mitzvah. Already from the age of 12, the father is not able to sell her as a slave. This is learnt from the fact that the Torah says that a Jewish female slave goes free when she becomes bas mitzvah. When she becomes a nara, she goes free. So we learn from there that all the more so, the father is not able to sell her 
to begin with once she's already a Nara, because she would go free already at that stage. And so the Mishnah notes that it comes out that any situation where there is the ability for the father to sell his daughter, and that is only until she is the age of 12, as long as she is a Katana, but not yet a Nara, in Kanas, so at that stage there would be no Kanas. Meaning, at least according to the opinion of this Mishnah, if a man is Oynes Ulmafateh a Katana, a girl who has not yet reached Bas Mitzvah, he is exempt from paying the Kanas. The Torah explicitly talks about a Na'ara Basula, a woman who has been between the ages of 12 and 12 and a half, who hasn't yet had relations. Alright, V'chomokim Shesh Kanas, and any situation where there would be a Kanas, meaning she is a Na'ara, ein Mecher, he has not got the ability to sell her as a slave. It's the style of the Mishnah to compare different laws, if it will be easier to remember that way, since Mishnayas were always meant to be remembered by heart, so the Mishnah will often write things in the style where it's easier to remember. And now the Mishnah elaborates what we just said. And it explains, Katana, as long as she is a Katana under the age of 12 years old, yes, Lomecher, she does have the law that the father is able to sell her as a slave, but she does not have the law that her father receives a fine if somebody forces or convinces her to have relations. On the other hand, Nara, a woman who is between the ages of 12 and 12 and a half, when she is going through the stages of maturing, yes, the law that her father receives a fine if somebody is owned from a fatahah, that does apply apply to her, but the law that the father is able to sell her as a slave does not apply to her. Alright, and the third stage in a woman's maturity, that is when she is fully mature at the age of 12 and a half, Habegeres, a fully matured woman, the father is not able to sell her, and if somebody is owned from a fatah, they would not be liable to paying the fine, since the Torah says that this applies specifically to a Nara. It should be noted that all of this is discussing the Kanas. However, according to most, if somebody forces a Begeres to have relations with them, he would still be obligated to pay them the other payments, such as the shame which he causes her, and the damage in her value, and the pain, but specifically the Kanas, which the Torah talks about explicitly, that only applies to a Nara.